Niños en el arco, la defensa es colosal González, Orlando, La Torre, Nicolás Fuentes y Chumpitas Chalemí, Frin y Cubillas y el gran Perico León Bailón y Alberto Gallardo completan This is the Peruvian Waltz podcast, the first episode of 2020 and in this new decade. I'm your host, Peter Galindo. Joining me in, I believe it is snowy Utah at the moment, is Christopher Viscardo. Christopher, how are you? Is there, in fact, snow over there? It's been snowing, but not enough to stink. So it kind of makes the roads a little slippery, you know, got to be a little careful. Uh, Luckily, Utahns are a little bit more used to that than uh, some areas of the country. Well, it's me. I'm just uh, happy to be here. Happy to get to talk some some Peruvian uh, soccer after a few weeks here. Uh, also here with us is Kevin Montalvan. Uh, Kevin, how are you? Hi, Peter. It's good to be back. Happy New Year to everyone. Indeed. Happy New Year. Happy New Decade, if you're into that kind of thing as well. So we were going to do this last week. Um, but scheduling conflicts got in the way. What else is new with us? When I say us, I mean me. But we opened up a poll uh, just before the end of 2019 for the Peruvian Player of the Year, so the calendar year of 2019. Voting opened December 31st. It closed last week. We'll reveal the results as we go through here. We'll recap the calendar year for each candidate, then give our picks at the end. But first, uh, more than 560 votes were tabulated, and we thank you all for participating on our Twitter page. We had four finalists and one write-in candidate. Uh, We'll start with that write-in candidate, and that was Andre Carrillo, uh, the winner of the AFC Champions League with Al-Hilal to close out the calendar year. He, of course, scored in the first leg against Uroa. And started two games of the Club World Cup, but was unfortunately sent off against Flamengo in the semis. Um, And in the calendar year for Al-Halal, Carrillo got six goals, nine assists in 32 games. Uh, He had 12 caps for Peru, had two assists. Obviously won a trophy, which is always good whenever Peruvian wins a trophy. But Christopher, if you want to go through his 2019 as a whole... Do you have the sense that maybe there was a little left to be desired with him, at least with the national team? For sure. I, I think that, especially with the national team, it was kind of a sign of his performance, the fact that Gareca left him behind there in October and did not call him back up for the Colombia game and the almost Chile game in November. I think that the fact that he won the Champions League uh, in Asia with his team kind of reivindicates him a little bit, kind of gives him a little bit more credit. I think personally, at least, I, I criticized him a lot for, for his move to Saudi Arabia. But the fact that he, he made it to the Club World Cup with his team, that's something that cannot be disregarded. So I, I think it was a slow start of the year for him which ended up being fairly fairly good season club-wise. But yes, nevertheless, um, we saw a Carrillo that didn't quite perform to the level that we wished that he would have in, at, at times with the national teams. I, I mean, I can think of the Copa America and the scandal, uh, obviously, that, that, well, minor scandal that that was. And the fact that even when he did play he wouldn't play a full 90, you know? And I think that that is somewhat of a worry 
uh, of a player at his level, I understand that that could also mean that, yes, he's giving 110% uh, of what he has, but still, you know, 75, 80 minutes in, and, you know, he's he's out of gas. Uh, and it didn't happen once. It didn't happen multiple times, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, that, that, to me, was also a little bit of a worry. So, uh, obviously, Gareca took him out of the team. I don't think he's going to be out permanently. I think that it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, in these next few months to see if uh, he's considered for the qualifiers, which probably will. Yeah, it seems like that right wing spot is still up for grabs. And as long as it is up for grabs, you feel like Carrillo can always reclaim it. Uh, Kevin, what did you think of Carrillo's 2019 for club and country? I'll have to agree with Viz. It was uh, it was very uh, up and down, especially towards the beginning of the year where we saw him kind of lose some of that that dangerous Carrillo that, that we had seen prior, especially from the World Cup. We saw him actually get benched during the Copa America and win his spot back towards the end. And then obviously the getting it, you know, winning the league, getting an international title, it, it brought it all back so we could see, you know, another Peruvian playing the Club World Cup, which is, you know, it's, it's not a, something you see every day. From there, I think Carrillo still got it in him to, to be in the national team. So we'll, we'll see if he does make any moves going forward or if he can at least continue to, to, to show the level that he is at this time. The real conflict for me with Carrillo is, and I think every single Peruvian fan feels the same way, it's frustrating, and I feel like a broken record saying this all the time, but he has the talent to be able to be one of the best Peruvians of this generation. Um, and we saw that when he started that, what was it? The 2015, 16 season at sporting and he was off to a flyer. He went into those first qualifiers looking incredible. And then he announces he's going to Benfica when his contract ends. And then from there it just went all downhill and he's had chances to rekindle his club career at least. Um, and unfortunately just hasn't really worked out in that way. What, what really catches my eye when watching him for Al Hilal, which I'll admit is not all the time. I've probably only watched about eight or 10 of his games this year or this past year. And his first year, he was very good. And I think we all expected this because he was still at a level where he could very easily play in a top tier European league. He was top 10 or 12 in, in categories like dribbling, crossing, uh, in assists, in, in all sorts of underlying statistics as well. When you look at assists um, and he's, among the top dribblers this season, he still makes things happen, but he's not the go-to guy offensively for Al Hilal. That's Bafetim Bigomis, that was Carlos Eduardo, that was Sebastian Jovinko. Carrillo's role in that team is very clear. Unlock space and feed those three don't necessarily be the main provider or the one who finishes off the chances. And for Peru, we've clearly seen him off form, especially compared to his 2018 when he was excellent as Viz touched on. Um, and many of us expected another move to Europe after that, uh, after that World Cup, even after the Watford loan. And yes, he's playing for a giant in Asia, but at 28 years old and with his ability, it's just not a good move from a sporting aspect. Um, and certainly from a financial aspect, he has every right to secure that money. I totally understand why he wants to. It's just unfortunate from 
the playing perspective because he can very easily raise his level and play in a better league. He just hasn't really done that. Meaning winning a trophy means he deserves recognition, but it's very much looking like the case of, you know, Carrillo, my friend, I really want you to succeed and you are in a way succeeding, but maybe not to the level you could be. It's very much a big fish in a small pond kind of situation with him. One player though, who is definitely not a big fish in a small pond, although he may very well uh, could be in that situation in the next few months. That is Luis Abram, who finished fourth in our poll with 18% of the vote. Uh, he started all six games for Peru at the Copa America last year. He had 10 appearances in friendly games, total of 16 caps for Peru in 2019, and 16 of his 17 total caps were actually accrued in 2019, he of course scored the winner against Brazil in September. He was voted the best left-sided defender of the year in the Argentinian Superliga and was included in the foreign best 11 in the Superliga as well. So guys, I feel like Abram is the kind of player who maybe gets kind of lost in the shuffle because he's a defender and because he's just been so solid. W would that be a fair description of his 2019, Kevin? Yes, definitely. I, I think uh, so, sometimes you got to keep in mind that defenders don't get to, to shine as much as attackers. So we'll, we'll have to keep in mind that some some of his work gets goes unnoticed, just winning back the possession, trying to provide... Actually, he's provided a, a few assists with Velez. So it, it has been interesting to see him grow as a, as a player this whole time. We, we're starting to see a lot more offers, you know, Serie A, top leagues in Europe. So it, it's not uncommon for for Abram to to continue growing abroad. And I think that it's definitely definitely been a good year for him, all things considered. Uh, final of the Copa America, he's seated himself as a in a, as a starting center back for Peru and and best center back in Argentina. I, I don't think I would have expected that when I first saw him move abroad. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that one for sure. Uh, Viz, what, what do you think of of, of uh, Abram's 2019? Yeah, I, I think it's been the, probably the his, his best year uh, to date, not, not only because of uh, how good he was at Vélez, but also because he was able to step in and uh, save the day during the Copa America, especially. Peru was going through a transition, trying to find some defenders after our two World Cup stars fell from grace, to say, you know, to say the least. And he was uh, a surprising choice at first that, that turned out to be a no-brainer. Honestly, uh, his chem chemistry with Zambrano seems to be pretty good. And... That, that goal against Brazil, like, <laughs> that that was one of the best moments of the year, you know. They they beat us twice during the Copa America, and then at this random friendly, we beat them, you know, second time in, in Gareca's uh, tenure, and only, what, like, fourth or fifth time in the history of Peru? I, I, I think if I were him, you know, like, probably best year so far, uh, which makes me excited just for, for what is to come. Uh, from Abraham, you know, some somewhat of a quiet guy, not not someone that is uh, likes the limelight, that uh, craves the attention, a defender, you know, 
someone that does his job, does his duty, and does it well. I, I think that there's still a lot more that we'll, we'll probably be seeing from Abraham uh, in, in 2020. Completely agreed with that. Definitely. It's so incredible how much he has improved since leaving Peru. Um, it's very much a case of you, you can't always judge a player at a certain time. Players develop at different uh, at different rates, at different times, and it can be very little or it can be a lot. And certainly in Abram's case, it's been a lot. Um, and 25 appearances in all competitions for Belles gets them into the Sudamericana, doesn't get booked basically at all. I think he had like three all year when you look at the second half of last season and then the first half of this season. Um, no red cards. He's one of the top distributors in the Superliga as well. Very composed on the ball. We can't really say that we've seen a Peruvian defender do that a lot in terms of just being comfortable in possession and spraying those passes across the pitch. Um, he's just a solid presence on the back line and grows by the game. And sometimes the, the stats don't do him justice because he's just there at the right time when you need him. And it's very assuring to have a defender like that on the back line, I am sure, for anybody. I guess the question now going into 2020 is who partners him in the center of defense. There are probably a couple candidates that we'll eventually look at, but you have to imagine Abram is going to be penciled in basically every single game until he maybe has a, a real drastic dip in form. And remember, he does have an Italian passport, has been linked to Galatasaray, to Ajax in recent weeks. He has an 8 million euro release clause. We could be seeing him in Europe very, very soon here. Now, moving over to the third place finisher in the poll, he had 19% of the vote. Uh, that was Edison Flores, who was incredible for, for Monarcas Morelia in 2019. 12 goals, 6 assists in 38 games. He helped guide Monarcas to the semifinals of the Apertura. Scored 3 goals in both legs against Leon in the quarterfinals to get them to the semis. One of the top dribblers and creators in Mexico, despite Monarcas being perennially a mid-table team. And with Peru in 2019, maybe a little less impressive when you look at the goals and assists. He had two goals and zero assists in 13 caps, but started every game at Copa America, except, I believe, the 3-1 win over Bolivia. And when he did score, keep in mind, they were big goals. Um, scored in the semifinal against Chile, for example. So guys, obviously a, a magnificent year for Flores. You could argue his best ever. What, what did we make of, of his growth uh, in the last 12 months, Viz. Flores continues to to surpass himself. I mean, after the 2017 that he had, the amount of uh, goals that he scored with the national team, then having a what I would say pretty decent World Cup with Peru, and now the Copa, his Copa America performance, like the, the, the man, like that, that national team jersey fits him to a T. He is for sure a... Peru man through and through for the national team. Someone that for sure will be in Gareca's uh, starting 11. We, we've had this question before. Right? Like, what, what do you do with Flores? And where is he best? Especially when you consider some of the other alternatives and alternatives around him. Uh, but he's always a solid choice for, for the national team, for sure. And, uh, well, we'll see what he can do of... Um, in the MLS, uh, like I was talking to you, Peter, uh, I think that, you know, I'm really hoping that DC United will be buying a few more marquee players 
I think that Flores is a great team member, but he's not the kind of guy that just puts the you know the the game on his shoulders and turns everything around you know in in two moves. He's he's not the guy that is going to just lead the whole team and and transform your team. I think he is. He takes a little bit more of a quiet role and and a supporting role. So, uh, you know, I, I hope that DC United realizes that he's not going to solve all their issues, all their problems, uh, and that uh, they're going to have to bring some some players to 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 make some chemistry. And, and you know, if they bring a few more players, they think that then that, that could improve their chances at playoffs uh, at the end of the year in, in, in MLS. Uh, but, I mean... Other than that, he's he's really given Ruidias a run for his money when it comes to being a Monarca's idol, really. I think they both managed to save the team countless times and take him as far as they've gone in, in the Liguilla of the uh, Mexican First Division uh, than, than any other, you know, any other players in the, in the last, uh, last few years. Uh, I think that Flores' uh, future is bright, for sure. Definitely is. And Viz, you've definitely been reading my rundown because we are going to talk about his move to DC United, which was completed today. That is Tuesday. Um, before we get uh, more into that, though, Kevin, what did you think of, of Flores' incredible 2019? So I, let's start with the club. The club performance this year was was great, especially in the Liga. He, he definitely carried his team. Uh, to the semifinals, it's unfortunate that they ran out of gas, but that is it. Considering you know, Monarcas is a is a modest team in Mexico, that that's quite a feat. Um, we saw him move from from left wing to a creative midfielder, and he's definitely shined this year. I wouldn't mind possibly seeing seeing him do such a role in in the national team or or with DC now that he's moved. But it definitely it, it shows how how positive he's been this year, that his values raised and he's become a historic signing for DC. So he definitely has to back that up now. He absolutely does. Yes. On that subject, he did sign with DC United. Uh, it's a club record fee, five million dollars. Although that could increase depending on. Flores hitting certain performance-based incentives, and he'll earn approximately $2 million annually. People might ask, why did DC pay so much? Well, he had two and a half years left on his contract at Monarcas. It expired or was set to expire in June 2022. Um, now, the players that Viz mentioned that DC could sign, uh, it could be Brian Lozano from Santos. It could be potentially Luka Modric, who they are looking at is DC United. And they are targeting other attacking signings after losing Wayne Rooney, Lucho Acosta, etc., etc. Um, we've also seen Paulo Hurtado linked as well from Conyo he was actually close to signing with Seattle last year. Uh, perhaps an MLS move to DC is in his future. Well, Kevin, we can now get into it, I guess. What do you make of Orejas moving to MLS? So I'm um, I'm still on the fence. I, I know he's still, you know, he's only 25. He can definitely take some time to, to play in MLS and possibly still make the jump across the ocean. But, um... It, it should be exciting. It should be exciting, uh, especially as, as the more I watch MLS, 
I see how it's continually improving every year. They're adding a lot more South American talent to the ranks. So it, it should be exciting for them. And obviously, uh, economically, it's, it's definitely good news. He just got married. Definitely has to cover those, those that expenses. Was a, that was a wedding of the year, by the way. I think millions of people watched his actual wedding on TV, um, something like that. So it was definitely an event. Everyone loves Orejas, and I'm sure DC fans will love him too for all the reasons we love him. Uh, Viz, just to close out uh, the Flores talk, in terms of his role in the future, I'm sure we've talked about this, but maybe we can get an updated version now that we've kind of seen a bigger sample size. Um, do you feel like he should occupy the same role with with uh, Peru as he does with his club, at least at this point in time, in play sort of in that number 10 secondary striker role, I guess, depending on the formation too. Well, yeah, I mean, the number 10 uh, is a dying breed, right? I mean, something that flourished in, in uh, Latin America in, in the last century, really. And uh, it's curious that DC United, I think, is promoting him. You know, everything is Flores. The number 10 you know like you see the advertising you see you see the tweets and so forth and that's kind of the angle that they're choosing to see him in at least for now yet we know what what his you know what, what his role is like in the national team and with Gareca I think especially if you have Canchita in good tip-top shape I I can see Canchita taking on that 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 left side that uh, maybe Flores used to own a little bit more and see Flores coming down and somehow becoming some kind of Cueva. I mean, no, nobody can replace Cueva, let's be honest. But but I, I feel like you could modify the team a little bit uh, and try to, to play to more of the club Flores uh, that we saw with, with Monarcas. I mean, something that, that should at least be explored for sure. And, uh, well, we have the qualifiers in March. So we'll, we'll see we'll see uh, how the players are doing and uh, what Gareca has in mind uh, when it comes time to, to pick the starting 11. Qualifiers are starting in like two months. I cannot believe it's actually that quick. It's going to come here before we know it. But we truck along. Second place in our poll. Uh, in a very close race, it must be added, too. This was, like, determined by less than, I think it was, 20 or 30 votes. Um, but ultimately, the runner-up this year for the 2019 Player of the Year voting was Paolo Guerrero, finishing second with 31% of the vote. And yet again, guys, just Mr. Consistency. Even in his age 35 season, he had 10 goals in 24 games in the Brasileirao with Inter, uh, 20 goals in 41 games in all competitions. That included four goals in the Libertadores, where ultimately Inter lost to Flamengo in the quarterfinals, the eventual champions. Um, the underlying numbers are still very promising given his age. But with Peru, we've seen maybe a slight decline in that regard. Started 11 games, all six in Copa America, scored three goals, um, all of which came at the tournament. Um so, obviously, yet another solid season for Paolo, but I guess, is there anything different that we can say about this season compared to the past seasons, Kevin? You put Guerrero on the nine rule, and he'll, he'll do the work. Another Copa America, another, top, another golden boot for Guerrero, if I recall correctly. I, I, this was probably his smallest amount of goals, but it was an interesting Copa. Yep. He 
definitely provided uh, for Inter. I think it was something like 18, 19 goals, um, where he was just on a hot streak as soon as he started. It was surprising considering, you know, all the time that he had been suspended. But all, all together, he still got it. He still, he still keeps getting links to, to big teams like Boca, I think uh, America and Mexico. He's just timeless. <laughs> yeah, th- th- there's there's nothing else we can really say about him. He's just ridiculous, and this is why we're going to miss him when he goes because he's pretty much irreplaceable at this point. Viz, I, I want to ask you a bit of a hypothetical here on that kind of subject. Obviously, we're all concerned about what's going to happen when he either retires or starts to really decline to the point where he probably shouldn't be starting anymore. Look, as I mentioned, his underlying numbers are still very promising given his age. He just turned 36, but this past year, he averaged about 0.44 goals per 90, which is a very solid return for any striker. His expected goals were around the same, so he's pretty much in line in terms of putting away the chances that he has. The the problem is, he only averaged about one and a half shots per 90 minutes with Peru, but had close to double that number with Inter. Now you can say many different things about, you know, with your club and certainly in Brazil, you have different challenges because you're playing deeper blocks. So you got to shoot more, what have you. But given that information, do, do you feel like the concern about Paolo's potentially declining goal return is, is maybe a little bit premature at this point? Yeah, for, for sure. For sure. I mean, uh, e- even with the three goals, you, you could say, yeah, Paolo has scored five goals in a Copa America before, right? It's like, well, he only scored three in this one. Yeah, he's still tied for top goal scorer of the tournament. <laughs> Let's not forget that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think it was a different kind of tournament, this Copa America, uh, than, than what we've seen in some previous years. Uh, I think that Paolo... He's he still has another year or two in him. I I, I think that we should we, we we have to give him a chance. I, I think it is a little too early for sure to be writing him off already. I mean, Boca Juniors just was what just a few negotiations away from from signing him. Like like what what club would sign a thirty six year old if they did not think that it was going to be like worth worth their investment right um and, and i think paulo is just it's just that guy you know he's just like uh like good wine he just gets better with age uh and i and i think that we have a few more years of paulo for sure my only concern would be injuries which is something that you know he doesn't get very often but when he does it can uh it can uh, take him off the pitch for for a few months a few weeks depending on the injury and, and we've seen that, you know, the, those have come and gone, gone in his career. But other than that, I, I, I trust that he'll know, you know, when his body tells him, you know, it's time to go, it's time to go. But until then, I, I think that he will continue to produce uh, at the level that uh, we're used to seeing him produce consistently, you know, maybe I would say at least for another year or two. I think we're we're gonna have Paolo at least till 2022, helping out at least with the national team. You know, the more I think about 2022 and whether Paolo will be there, and remember, right after the 
the last World Cup, he was saying, yeah, I could envision myself being in Qatar. And I thought to myself, okay, like that's maybe a, even a step too far, even for you, Paolo. But then the more I watch him as he ages, it's like, eh, you know what? It could actually be pretty feasible at this point. Um, now, obviously, Paolo finished second in the voting, which means there had to be a winner. And that winner was Raul Ruiz, your winner with 32% of the vote. Of course, he was a champion with the Seattle Sounders in 2019, claiming MLS Cup. He had 11 goals in 22 games in what was an injury-shortened season, but when he was fit, he delivered four goals, four assists in four playoff games uh, in this past season's playoffs, uh, including a goal in the final, and pretty much single-handedly took down LAFC, one would argue, the best single-season team in MLS history uh, in their building, which seldom happened. They seldom lost, and Ruiz Diaz basically took it to them. Yeah, still struggles with Peru, but at the end of the day, guys, it is a smaller sample size. He only had 373 minutes with Peru in 2019. What can you really expect him to do with that little amount of time when you're off for long periods of time as well? Um, Viz, is he a worthy winner in your eyes for player of the year? Uh, for what he did with his club, yes. I understand that the, his, the amount of minutes that he had with the national team is small, but... I mean, that's how it is with every national team. You know, national teams play an average, what, six games, 12. If it's a really, really busy year, you know, with a tournament yeah. or so, 15 maybe. Come on, like, <laughs> you, you, you're not, you're not going to like this, but uh, let me say, let me say one more time. El Salvador. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That game, oh. I, I don't know. There's been a few games where Paolo hasn't been around. Or, you know, where there's been issues with Paolo and and we say, okay, well, you know what? Like we'll 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 trust Rivias, we'll give him chances, we'll we'll let him play his game. And the man just like chokes, you know, just chokes. And it's like I, I don't know, I wouldn't disregard uh, the national team side uh, as much as, as as others, honestly. Nevertheless, MLS is very important. I, I think that the MLS Cup title uh, is very important and something that that uh, probably said makes him, you know, the best best proven player abroad. With uh, maybe Carrillo just, you know, as a close second right there. So yes, I, I think he's a worthy player of the year for sure. Uh, considering you know that Paolo had some struggles at the beginning of the year because of the ban, or or considering that Farfan was injured. Then, then yes, um, what Ruiz did was important. Well, I think we can say who Viz didn't choose as his player of the year for 2019, but we'll find out in, in a bit here. Uh, Kevin, anything to add to the points that Viz made? I, I think that Ruiz was was very consistent. He's he's just a killer when, when he has the opportunity to show off, um, especially for club, uh, for Selección, it's it's a little bit more limited. But I think he came through in a matter during, let's say, the the penalties against Uruguay. I mean, everyone there was just stone cold killers for Peru. But I I gotta hand it that's he's part of I think Peru's first ever penalty shootout win. Yeah, which says a lot, to be honest. Let me throw this one back at you, Kevin. Sure. In terms of his national team form and his struggles and whatnot, in terms of just the playing perspective, do you feel like this is a valid enough argument to sort of, I don't want to say defend him, but maybe 
slightly explain why it just hasn't happened for him with the national team compared to what's happened with his clubs. As I said, 373 minutes with Peru this year. He only had three shots and five touches in the box total across all the games he played in the calendar year. Do do you still feel like tactically the team just doesn't really fit him to the point where he can, I guess, thrive the way that he does with his clubs? Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. Um, if I'm sure if he had more more chances in front of goal, he'd he'd be able to bag several more goals for for the team. But it's you know we're, we're not always the the favorite in most of our teams. Sometimes you only get one or two chances, and it's unfortunate. I he's definitely going to be uh, on the national team, but I don't know if he'll ever slot into being that lone striker that Peru needs could see you know someone else popping up in the next couple of years through very possibly viz uh i'll now give you an argument for what you just said and i've said it once before but i want to maybe get your thoughts on this i i feel like ruidias in a way really feels the weight of the shirt um when he plays for peru and i think the fact that he does still kind of struggle to get that gold to kind of open the floodgates almost adds more pressure onto his shoulders to the point where he maybe tries perhaps a little bit too hard, if that makes sense to, to really get that duck off his back um, or monkey off his back. Excuse me. Do you feel like there's credence to that? It doesn't excuse what he has done with the national team, of course, but do, do you feel like that maybe explains it, that it's also just becoming more of a mental issue and, and, and not just simply tactical problems yeah no i i 100% 100% i would agree that i i think that the, we have seen so so first of all people were saying well the reason why he's not scoring is because you know uh they're trying to replace paolo with rds and rds is just not paolo so therefore you can't use the same system and all the tactical stuff right so therefore we saw tactical changes this year peru has experimented more tactically than in the last what three four years right like like Garenka this year decided that he wanted to just start over and start from scratch and move everyone around and and he did you know I think that that excuse can is no longer no longer valid yet you seen Ruidias you know be the star of Seattle Sounders they got a mural with his face on it you know so therefore there has to be a disconnect somewhere, and partially at least, the answer to that is is this whole issue of you know he's just struggling with with the mental, with the psychological aspect of of being the the goal scorer and the and the team leader that that you know Paolo might be. I really do hope. I really do hope that um, that they have a chance to work with him some more. They have a chance to, you know, encourage him some more. The I, I, I don't think that uh, we should uh, set him aside. I think we have to continue to try to give him chances. And I really do hope, you know, that one of these things, he scores a chalaca that is just going to, like, make it to, to the Puskas Award, and then that's going to mean that he is, like, the next number nine for Peru. You know, like, I really hope that there's one big event that's going to be, you know, allow him to get off that, that, that losing mindset and uh, change him for the better. But until then, let's continue to have some patience with him, especially because, 
to be frankly honest, we still haven't found someone else. You know, uh, it's him, maybe Jordi. You know, and and please do not mention Beto da Silva because <laughs> we've lost cause at this point. But you know, I I think those are those are it for now. That definitely looks to be the case. And Ruidias turns thirty in July, so. I mean, if, if it's now or never, really. But I, I will say this. It, it is important for Peruvian football to perform well with your club. That is what clubs care about. That is how the Peruvian player can grow and continue to get better opportunities. And also moves like Orejas going to D.C. for what is a club record fee is great because that boosts the value of the Peruvian player. And maybe little by little, it gets to the point where they're getting more opportunities in better leagues and in Europe as well. So we need more Ruidias's thriving for their clubs to help Peruvian football for sure, I feel. The national team, yes, it is disappointing. We want to see him do well for the national team. But in the grand scheme of things, what he does for club is more important, uh, even though some people might not want to hear that. So now we'll get to our picks. The fans have decided that it is Ruidias as the player of the year for 2019. So let's go around the table and choose our pick for 2019. So Kevin, who was your player of the year? For player of the year, I'm going to give that to Oreja Flores. I didn't want to count titles in this one because I just wanted to see personal growth and Oreja's has definitely shown in club form what he's given to us in the national team in the last couple of years. And I feel that we we see steady growth. His market value is is getting higher and it's finally coming together for him. If you're going to stick to 365 days, calendar days, I think the person that had, had the best season, you know, when you take into consideration country and club and all of that, I, I, I'm going to give it to Oreja Flores. You know, the, God, the man got married. The man had a great Copa America. He he had a great season with his club. I understand that that silverware is important, right? And that's something that Ruiz Diaz and Carrillo got. And, and we can't underestimate that. But both of those, the other two options I just, I just mentioned, you know, they were great with club, not so great with country. So therefore... I think Oreja Flores managed to to just even everything out, right? It was it was the same, you know, great performance with club as it was with country, and and I think that consistency in the end makes him to me the the player of the re, the year really, uh, even if if he didn't quite get you know the title and and, and the medal in the end. For sure, it is. Can again can't go wrong with with that choice, considering especially how. Flores did uh, definitely not a bad choice at all. Uh, my selection, when I really looked to, I guess, equally weigh club and country together and what this player did, I feel like it was almost a no-brainer for me. That was Luis Abram. He's a stalwart for one of the top teams in Argentina. He's probably going to be moving to Europe soon. Look, he made the best 4-11 in Argentina. 2019 that has to say something about how good he has been and how consistent he's been he was the starting center back for peru 
at the Copa America. That can't be easy for anyone, especially a young defender who's only growing or can only continues to grow. Um, I, I can't say enough good things about his 2019. He was immense. I feel like he goes under the radar, like I mentioned when we were talking about him. Because he's a center back and because he's so solid, you almost forget just how good and comforting he is as a player. Um, but for me, it was a pretty easy choice. Uh, to go with Abram and also being a former goalkeeper, I appreciate very solid defenders in front of me. I'm sure Pedro Gallese agrees with me in this regard. Um, to close up the show, guys, we're going to talk about our player of the decade and who it is for each of us. Um, it might be unanimous. We shall see. But uh, Kevin, who is your player of the decade from 2010 to 2019? So in this case, I, you know, my heart won out and, and I had to go country over over club form. And it goes hands down to Paolo Guerrero. He's been the multiple uh, golden boot in Copa Americas. He's brought us back to a World Cup. He is now the last goal Peru has scored in a World Cup. And damn, it took a long time to see that. <laughs> Definitely did. Uh, Viz, who was your player of the decade? Well, I, I can't help but agree. I mean, Paolo Guerrero, like, 29 goals during the last decade with the national team for a total of 38. Some people might say 39. There's a little bit of a discrepancy in the record. To, to be the all-time top scorer for Peru, I mean, he surpassed everyone, including Cubillas and, and, and Lolo Fernandez. Two bronze medals in the Copa Americas, one silver. Now, if you want to do go over some of his stats for, for his club, he won the Club World Cup yep. 2012. He scored a winning goal against Chelsea with Corinthians. That was the last time a South American team even won, you know, like the world, the Club World Cup. That was the last time. I mean, it's been almost a decade. And to think that Paolo was at the center of all of that. Now, if you want to look at, you know, the amount of titles that he's won, this decade he had four with his club, while like Farfan had seven. Or even Carrillo himself had seven. But what he's done for the national team and the symbol that he's become and the legend that he will be for for the next decade, I, I think that hands down, hands down, Paolo Guerrero, por su mamacita, is the player of the decade. Yeah, I'm going to make a three for three. You can't disagree with that choice, as both of you mentioned. You can dispute his brief time in Europe in the decade um, and saying that it wasn't a positive because of how it ended. But uh, I mean, when you just look at the national team form, you can't discount him. He's played for some terrible, terrible teams and we've all watched it and in horror sometimes. And yet he still delivered time and time again, especially at Copa Americas when more people, I guess were paying attention and he delivered time and time again, top scorer of all time, as Viz mentioned, won the club world cup. He was decisive in that final and probably one of the best South American-based players of the decade, never mind Peruvian player of the decade. For me, he narrowly edged Farfan, just because Farfan had injuries. He spent some time outside of Europe. Um, if he had stuck around or at least stayed fully fit and certainly performed maybe a little bit better for the national team, he would have given Paolo a run for his money. But in the end, it has to be El Capitan, and I really don't think it's it, it's at all close. It's a... For me, a unanimous choice. If, if anyone wants to give us an argument, go ahead. Um, but for me, that's, that's the choice, and we are sticking to it. So that will do it for us this week. 
Thank you again for listening. Uh, we will get to other Peruvian football matters, hopefully next week, if uh, once again, I don't have a scheduling conflict and cancel the podcast. So you can follow me, your host, Peter Galindo, on Twitter at GalindoPW. You can follow the show at Peru Waltz. Uh, Viz, where can the fine folks follow you on Twitter? And if you have a shout out, considering we didn't talk about Peruvian football uh, this week, go for it. <laughs> You can find me at V-I-Z underscore F-C. Shoutouts, no shoutouts this week. Just uh, just a little bit slow. Let's let's wait for, for the league to start back up, for the teams to get going, and then we'll probably have some shoutouts. Indeed. And then when, uh, of course, Sportankash's Copa Peru campaign begins again, that's when the real shoutouts will begin. Am I oh, right, you Vince? know it. Definitely. Kevin, uh, what is your Twitter? And if you have a shout-out, this is the time. Okay, you guys can find me at kmontelvon7. Feel free to ask any questions or anything. I just can't wait for the league to come back on. Yes, where Bengoche's Alianza leads you guys to glory. Oh my god, it's, it's going to be great. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> well, again, I guess in this well, case. Again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hate him all you want. He's, he's won titles, so uh, I guess you got to give him that. Anyways, that will do it for us, guys. Thank you once again. This is the Peruvian Waltz team. We are signing off. Rubiños en el arco, la defensa es colosal González, Orlando, La Torre, Nicolás, Fuentes y Chumpitas Chalemí, Frin y Cubillas y el gran Pericoleón Bailón y Alberto Gallardo completan la selección